Welcome to the Pod Pod. It's your boy Dossie. I'm here with 2021 AFL Fantasy Classic runner-up and ninth overall in 2018. Holmesy, mate, how you going? Dossie, mate, good to be here. Uh, a bit later in the week this week, but it's good to be able to chat some fantasy after a few things have happened this week. And and yeah, looking forward to a big round ahead. How are you going? Yeah, I'm going all right over the vid. So back in the hosting chair this week, which is very nice for all our listeners out there. And uh, we've also got the mighty Stato back on board as well. Five-time top 100 finisher and third overall in that magical year of 2018. Stato, how are you, mate? I'm doing very well, other than you questioning me just a second ago, just uh, validating my uh, success uh, trying to claim that uh, I come 15th one year when there was only 16 players. Although there is there is an argument to say that uh, there was a couple of those where there weren't 150 plus playing. So, um, yes, we can um, have a little crack, Dossie, but how about getting one cap or one 100 finish before we throw in uh, a bit of dirt on others? Yeah, it would be nice. I was just questioning pre-show whether, yeah, how far back those five times that we always talk about, five-time top 100, it, it did it was revealed that somewhere in the real dream team times back in the fossil dark ages, but uh, we, we could confirm that all great performances from the FOSS. And uh, we'll see how he's going this year in a moment. We're going to recap our nailed it, failed it and some of our scores for the week. But we've got a massive show coming up. We've got our hot topics as always. We've got a couple of new segments coming your way as well. One of the big ones, though, is Holmesy's Heroes, which is Holmesy's debut of a big segment that we're going to run maybe a couple of times throughout the year. And that's your little best 22 that you've got for us. So the runner-up from last year revealing his best 22 Um going forward, which is going to be very exciting. But let's get into our um, – first of all, Stato, I just want to update on the Pod Pod Challenge, which is our fantasy league that we've got going for our beloved Pod Pod members. And uh, how are you going there, Stato, on on the leaderboard while you get that up? I'll try and burn a bit more time for you, mate, as you are. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, in, in panic stations. Yeah, I'm slowly climbing up the ladder as I am with the uh, – uh, with the rankings, but but let's uh, cover. We've got three members sitting in the top ten at the moment. So wow. uh, James is still sitting there at number two. So uh, well done to him. He um, got a twenty-one eighty-eight on the weekend. So that's putting him in really good position. Um, um, oh, interesting. We've got two Jamesies. One with uh, Super Crouch Bros, and one with Shuckers. Uh, Super Crouch Bros is sitting in fourth with a 22.01 this weekend. That's just an absolute ripper. Uh, and Mecca is still floating around. So um, Brett's team got 21.63 this week. He's sitting in eighth position. So great to have three of the top ten sitting there. And we have a host of players currently in uh, cat territory. So uh, cat well done territory. to everyone. Hat territory. What did I say? Cap. Cap, hat. Maybe it's a halfway in between. Hap. Um, but uh, sitting there in cap territory. So uh, best of luck to all of them. Uh, I noticed most of them um, actually got in the 2100s this week. So um, that's where what's happening with the top 100s. They're scoring pretty well week in, week out. So well done to them. Fantastic. If you want to join that, I think, yeah, you just just uh, type in the leagues. It's an open league that goes all season long. You can just chuck pod pod 
in your league search and find that and join in the fun and let us know how you're going. It's good to see how people are going throughout the year, listeners. So, Kyle, let's get into the round that was, though, and I want to hear your round score this week and also how your rank's going. And let's also get in your nailed it, failed it for this week. Yeah, so another sort of mid-range round for me. I scored a 2108, which I think was about par for the week. Uh, I still end up going up about 1,100 spots into 2696. So, um, I think I've improved every single week so far, which is, which is all you can really ask to do. So, fingers crossed I can I can keep building. Nailed it for the week. Um, Big Max gone. Um, I've copped a lot of shtick over the first few rounds for for picking Big Maxi, but he's finally starting to show exactly what we can what we require from him. I think he's pretty clearly the the best ruck in the comp at the moment, and and those that held strong are starting to be rewarded, which is good. Um, I failed it, and it's, it's we were talking a little bit off air about the the forced trades in AFL fantasy, and sometimes you get a little bit cute, and and unfortunately that that got me this week. So I ended up trading Cornelio to Duncan, which I don't think is going to be a bad trade um, towards. Uh, as the season progresses, I think Duncan will he'll hit his straps and, and I'm not sure Cogs will be that, that top six forward that we want him to be without those CBAs. Uh, but yeah, that's that's got to be my failed at this point. Yeah, that's got to hurt. I remember that, yeah, we, we were having a chat over the weekend on the messages and you weren't too happy seeing Cogs absolutely tear it apart. But yeah, the theory there was, yeah, no mid-time. You're just a bit worried about Leon and going to sort of go down in scoring and just not be that guy to end the year in your team. Yeah, exactly right. And I don't really want anything to do with any GWS midfielders at the moment. And unfortunately, I've still got Josh Kelly sitting there. So hopefully Kelly can turn it around and, and we'll see what happens. But yeah, it's it's never never good when it stings you the, the first round that you do it. All right, Stato, let's hear your round score from round five. How's your rank going? And also you nailed it, failed it. Yeah, 2,087 was my score. I improved uh, 3K in the rankings to 10,215. On the up, Yeah, slowly but surely. I had one round, uh, which I think was last week, which I dropped about 2.5K. So that was a little um, uh, bubble I didn't need to have. Um, but nailed it this week is continued the up and downs, uh, bringing in uh, English into the forward line. Uh, failed it. I actually just traded out Cherry over Raquel. And at the end of the day, um, I probably uh, got a little bit bamboozled with the 100 v the 60 the week before and was planning for Cherry to be on the bench. So when I went that move, that's the one I used. That lost me 31 points, so I would have had a, a comfortable 2,100 score, which would have got me easily into the, the top 10,000, which I should have done. Uh, last week's trades were Rao and Cherry for English and Sam Hayes. Went early on him because Lysette was out for three months. He seems the heir apparent. Don't think he's going to be blind him. He's going to make the same amount of money as Bruce is going to make over the next six to seven weeks, which is exactly what I want. Yeah, and I should mention uh, we don't have our man Louie here tonight. He's sick tonight, but uh, we wish all the best to Lou. He, he let us know he had a pretty good week again, I think, and he's up to around the 3,000 um, ranking spot. So he's also having a pretty good pretty good um, day out. I think he's he's on his way up in the rankings after starting pretty low. He's certainly rising the ranks. So, yeah, I think around 3,000 at the moment. So going all right. Uh, on Dossie's front, 
it was not good news this week, guys, i got to say. Under 2,000 points, 1987. Dropped my rank from around the 8,000 mark. I'd, I'd been, as we know, I've been saying on the pod every week, it's been Cockroach Dossie. Uh, he's been lingering around that mark for a few weeks. Haven't been moved in the ranks for a while, just lingering there, just unkillable. But uh, dropped down to 12,000 rank. Um, Cockroach Dossie's no more. The more team was out, it got Roach Dossie. Um, but I'll talk about my nailed it and my failed it and maybe find out why that happened. <laughs> so my nailed it, I, I've just got to go with Petrarca. It's been sort of a bit of an up and down couple of weeks with his the tags coming. But I think at the end of the day, he's looking pretty solidly like a top eight mid and uh, averaging 110, got another nice score. And he's got an amazing run coming up as well, which I'm really excited about. So I've got to give it to Petrarca. Uh, my failed it was going full dossy guys which i'll touch on in just a moment but i still just want to shout out took miller for just being such a disappointment as well in my failed it um zero tackles for two weeks in a row look he's averaging 99 but i paid over a million bucks for this guy and i'm sure there's lots of owners out there feeling the same way how do you not lay two tack uh, a tackle two weeks in a row as a premium midfielder playing truckloads of time on ground getting all the center bounces in the world it's it's disgusting. How do you how does how do you do that, Kyle? How do you not lay a tackle? I reckon you'd lay a few tackles out there, mate. Well, uh, seems they're playing a bit of a different game plan at the moment. But yeah, you're right. It's definitely not very Took Miller esque at the moment. So hopefully he can turn it around for you. You'd think that he would, but it is a little bit concerning at the moment. Yeah. So I was looking at some of the numbers as well. He he laid under five tackles only four times last year, and it was like only just under five as well. Um, so those numbers are pretty shocking to, together with what we've talked about for the last few weeks, the sun's game plan, just being very, uh, not fantasy friendly, incredibly low marking game style, which they actually changed a bit this week. They're up with their mark. So that's maybe something to look forward to going forward, but just a disappointing start. You, you paid huge dollars for this guy and at least Jack Steele has been around the mark, whereas Took Miller has been, you know, 20 points under what you paid for, which is not a good start to the season. And I see a lot of people targeting him, which makes my heart hurt even more. Um, all right. So the failed, at, the true failed it though, came with my trades, which last week was, Crips to Brayshaw. Now, it's not the Brayshaw you might think. It was uh, Gussie Bray. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Gussie, Gussie Brayshaw. And the other trade was Matt Rao, which, you know, getting him out's maybe not a bad idea, but to Jaden Stevenson. Um, as I said, the more team was out and it was because there was more smart, more safe, more Stevenson in my team. I'm out. Guys. I'm out. I <laughs> <laughs> Can we, workshop, saw, can we saw, workshop this a bit, Dossie? Because I think the listeners deserve to know how this came about. So, yeah, normally you are very up and about in the group chat, giving us your trade options. But this week you weren't. This week you were very quiet and you decided to come in on Saturday and say, boys, I've locked my trades in. I'm going to post them just before lockout. It's done. You'll see what happens. And then, lo and behold, two minutes before the game locks out, you decide to show us that you've traded in Stevenson and Brayshaw and you throw it to Twitter as well. What is going on, mate? What is going on? Yeah, look, I'm going to blame. Now, I know a lot of people have had huge bouts of isolation in the past couple of years. I've been very lucky in Adelaide um, not to have too much of that. 
but I think I was in my 12th, maybe 12th day of isolation with, and I, ha- I still actually was suffering from COVID symptoms at the time. I'm just going to blame COVID on this one, boys, because uh, <laughs> there's not there's not much else I can do, but, but take the blame away from myself. Um, I was looking through a lot of numbers. I had a lot of time on my hands looking into center bounce numbers. Jane Stevenson's 30%, over 30% for the last two weeks. He's never had 30% CBAs all last year. The only one game he did, he got 120. And then, yeah, anyway, it was just an absolute putrid call, boys. Um, but I'm going to back him in. Look, we'll see how he goes this week. I think it was a tough matchup mm-hmm. against the Dogs. Brayshaw getting defensive status, which we're about to talk about in our hot topics. Oh, I boys. can't wait to see what trade you do this week. <laughs> Let's talk about some DPPs and obviously there was about 50 that came out on the weekend. Warn Dog dropped those just after the game on Monday and there's a bunch of relevant ones. So, do you guys want to touch on any of the specific ones you're keen on? Because I might just mention a few off the top. Obviously, I think Gus Brayshaw's one to talk about. Maybe he's not coming into your calculations for top six defender, especially with Salem coming back. But he's certainly in the conversation as one of those guys maybe in the top 10 range. He's a, he's a guy that's relevant. I think some of the big names for me, one that stands out in the defensive line anyways, Dane Zorko. Um, we're going to talk about him more on this show, but he's got ch- a chance to be a top six defender and he might even pop up in Holmes's Heroes later on. So we'll, we'll talk more about that later, I think. But he's a guy with a massive ceiling. Stato, do you think he's potentially on the radar for you? No. No, he's not currently, um, but he's certainly one I'm going to watch. And he's actually dropped a fair bit of coin too. So uh, his price suggests uh, he's a bit of value. But I actually want to see when um, they get their structure right. So I think he's been playing that position because they had some injuries at the beginning of the year. And I think his role may change. So I want to see what happens. And it's a bit like your... Angus Brayshaw move. Um, uh, to be honest, I, I think he's got a really good role right now and gets that defensive. But what happens when Salem comes back? Does he start playing that sort of uh, unfantasy-friendly wing role back again uh, when Salem is back? So that that was my question mark on that move, and it's a bit the same with the Zorko move. Yes, it looks good, and defender status with Zorko looks great, I'm worried that he looks like he's on one leg uh, and yeah. also whether his role's going to stay. Interested in what Holmes he thinks. Yeah, no, you've, you've definitely summed it up. I think as a, as a defender, he becomes relevant just for that status, but you, you couldn't touch him at the moment with the injury history and, and that uncertainty of role. But absolutely, if there's a time towards the end of the season when he goes back into the midfield, he's no doubt a top six. So it's just about monitoring what happens throughout the season. And if he looks fit and healthy and he's got a good role, then then absolutely you can jump. But in saying that, at the moment, our defensive lines are, are pretty strong. So I don't think any of us would be looking to upgrade in the defence anytime soon. Yeah. I find it interesting you say the roles, the the problem with Zorko, like I think it's kind of the opposite. If he gets a different role, if he role changes from a halfback to a midfield, it's even more exciting. And as a halfbackman, he's only had, you know, he's had five games this year. He's incredibly low time on ground this year as well, based on that limp that he's just, it's quite comical watching sometimes, but he only played a half a game in round one for his 32, which is why he's priced so nicely. And then against Geelong, he had an off game and only played 60% time on ground as well. So, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty high on him being a top six. But yeah, as again, we'll, we'll probably talk about him a little bit more as time goes on, but I think he's an option. A couple of other DPPs, obviously, there's just the added flexibility. You've got a Nick Dacos you can now throw back there as a rookie. Maybe the only other one I can look at here, um, and you know, you can check the names out yourself on afl.com.au. The list is there. But the only one that maybe has some relevance but completely not at the moment with the Suns game plan would be a Brandon Ellis, who last year was fantastic with his high marking game. But with the Suns not using that high marking game right now, you definitely can't target him until they change things around, right, Stato? Yep, absolutely. And yes, he's had a much better role the last two weeks, but that's been with Sharp out. And Sharp had a blinder at the lower level. Uh, Does that mean he comes back in and all of a sudden Ellis is in the crap role again? Yeah, and a player that I sort of flagged in our little private chat that we have throughout the week that I was looking at as an option at one point, um, does he become more relevant now? You were definitely against it throughout the week, Kyle, but does a Luke McDonald come into calculations with the fact that Aaron Hall's gone down with that that ham- hamstring? Nah, it, it doesn't, I don't think. It, you'd you'd want to see it first, and we know he had that extremely good back half to the, to the year when it, two seasons ago, I think, but he's not Aaron Hall, he's... He's actually playing some real decent footy at the moment. He's 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 gone well back there, but he's still defending hard and, and trying to intercept and stuff. He's not really as concerned with getting those real cheap plus sixes. So I don't think he's going to put up numbers close to the top six. I'll talk about just quickly, really added midfield time, obviously just increases your flexibility. It doesn't really add some super value. We're looking at those defenders and forwards that are going to really bring value to our team. But interestingly enough, it does show those role changes though, according to the data. And to see Jordan Dawson get midfield midfield status, obviously means he's spending a bit more time in there and on the wing. So that's good to see for owners. Um, the other one that's probably interesting here, guys, obviously Zach Butters also shows that he's spending time in there. Jack Sinclair, who's moved back to a um, defensive role now, but gain that midfield status. But the big one here, guys, Jaden Stevenson with midfield, adding midfield status. I'm just joking. I'll move on to <laughs> Rux. Rux, Tristan Cherry gets that Rux status, a bit more flexibility as well. A lot of these things just added flexibility. But forward status, just the big one, I guess, out of here is is your Lipinski um, getting forward status. But in reality, it's probably not going to be you're not going to pick him, are you, Kyle, unless he just gets a bulk um, jump in those midfield minutes? Nah, I think a lot of the Collingwood players are off off targets at the moment purely because of the brand of footy they're playing. So, I think even as, as forward status, I don't think Lipinski is an option. Luke Parker? I mean, yeah, Luke Parker is an option, but that's only if you get a bit of security in his role. So, at the moment, Sydney have got so many midfielders that, that are rolling through and that's why you're seeing his scoring go up and down. But if any time they look like to secure him um, pure mid, um, then he's all of a sudden a must-have. And you, you couldn't do it at the moment. Um, Jack Zebel, given the fact that he's moved forward, but with Aaron Hall going down, if Zerha comes back and takes the forward role and he moves back into that defensive line and there's no Aaron Hall, we saw what he could do last year as the sole big dog back there. But I kind of just think, you know, it's it's always just going to be a limited time that you're going to be able to hold him before, um, you know, before you have to get rid of him. So that's not someone you'd be looking to bring in either, Kyle, right? But given that you want to have guys now that you're wanting to keep for the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I suppose the difference was last year that 
um, Zebul came out of the blocks and had that 170 in, in rounds two or three, whenever it was. It was it was super early and, and that just shot his price up. But at this time of the year, you just, you're looking for those underpriced guys you're going to keep for the year and you can't really be touching those guys that their role can be this one week and then and full forward the next. All right, well, we've got some more hot topics to get to. That's your DPPs covered off. Um, and yeah, we'll talk about Kyle's Holmesy's uh, heroes soon, which we'll see if any emerge in there and the new DPPs. But Baz Lenker on absolute fire has to be a hot topic. I just want to know, is he still a target being this expensive now? He's up over 900K. But we always get, you know, one to two players like your steals or your Tooks last year that just explode. Could he be the next million dollar man this year? Is anyone passionate to talk about this first? Stato, you look like you're ready to spit some fire into the mic. You got any thoughts on Bailey Smith as an absolute uber premium this year, given he's putting up 135 over the first, well, he's played four of the first five games. I think it's unlikely that he that he keeps up this level, um, but but I, w- I will say he's gone up in in price that much. So I'm quickly having a look of what uh, he is. He's nine hundred twenty eight thousand. That's a lot of coin, and it's too much money when you're in upgrade season. And I know people might get a nice sugar hit uh, off him. Uh, and they probably did on the weekend with the 147. I understand that. But it means more rookies are sitting on your field and they're going to bite you in the ass when everyone else has a completed team. So this weekend, I will have two rookies uh, left on the field uh, and they'll be Martin and Hyphen. Um, I'm discounting uh, Dacos. I think we can judge now and say he's a keeper. Would that be fair? Um, I think with the defender status averaging in the 90s, um, he's on that sort of cusp. Uh, if teams have still got three, four, five, six, and possibly seven rookies, they're the ones that are going to hit the 40s and the 30s on field. Unfortunately, they're bad week as they get tired. That's got to be your stance. So although he's hot, the reality is he's gone up 200K already. Uh, they're not the type that you're, you're targeting. And unfortunately, if you're paying the max dollars at the end of the day, that's when it's going to hurt you on the back end. Yeah, I, I suppose the thing you need to look at it as well. So he's priced at 113. If you think he's, if you genuinely think he's going to be that 120 guy for the rest of the season, which let's be honest, at the moment, those numbers he's putting up, 120 is probably a little bit unders, but if you think if you think he's going to be that guy, then then go ahead, jump. But you are right, Stato. It's going to delay getting one of those other rookies off the field. And and personally, I think and in upgrade season at this time of the year, you should be looking to target those guys that are a little bit more underpriced. But who knows? We could just be seeing a young gun well and truly break out, and and none of us are going to jump on, and it could burn us. So, yep, very true. It's, it's tough. And. I've I've had a bit as we know I've had a little bit of time off recently and I just I did some deep dive today just into some numbers because the thing that stands out to me for Bailey Smith is the time on ground it's just insane time on ground for an AFL player especially playing the role that he's playing you know fifty to sixty percent um in that in the inside midfield and then the rest of it's sort of that forward moving up playing basically on ball the whole game. 91% time on ground is his season average. And that was including the first round where he 
uh, well, he missed the next week due to a little injury as well. So you would have thought that he played low Tom and ground in that game. I think it was in the 70s. So first game, I'll just read them out. First game, 79% time on ground. Round three, 97, then 95 and 94. Those numbers are just crazy. And if you look at the last five years, so I'm not going to include the, so five years not including the 2020 season and including this year, you look at the guys averaging over 120 points that we, you know, obviously the big, absolute big dogs. So 2017, you had Titch and Dangerfield. 127 and 121, you had 88% time on ground for Tom Mitchell and 85% for danger. And midfielders don't, 85%'s a lot for a midfielder. You only get maybe, like looking at the numbers, there's only like 10 to 12, 10 to 15 guys that spend over that. And of those, a lot are wingmen. So the guys actually getting inside midfield time to be playing 85% plus is pretty rare. So that's just showing that they're at the top level. They're getting a crap load of points and they're playing so much time on ground. In 2018, it was Titch, McRae and Grundy were the three that averaged over 120 that year. Titch, 90%. Jack McRae, 86%. Grundy, 88%. So, just around the ball all the time. You're getting where I'm going with this. The next year, 2019, Grundy, 89%. Obviously, a ruck. He's spending heaps of time on ground. And I think the issue Stato recently with Grundy is that he's been playing low time on ground, which is why he's not been able to do his job as well as just being a little bit under form. 2021, Took and Steel, both 85%. Now, you look at this year, we've got one little outlier in here, but Bailey Smith, 135 average with 91% time on ground. Ben Keyes with 85% time on ground and 121 and then Brayshaw is the outlier, 125, only 81% time on ground, just a little bit unders. Now, obviously, there's shitloads of factors that go in to this aside from just your time on ground. But looking at his role combined with that and the fact that he's just taken a huge step up, if he's going to be spending 90% time on ground, which I will say Bevo added in his post, post-match post press conference recently, it's something that he's been able to do is play a heap of time on ground. I kind of am buying into the fact that he's the guy this year. Uh, is it taking? Is this just looking? Is this just too much time on my hand, boys? Just talk me through this. Well, would you be saying that you're trading him in this week, then, Doss? Is that where you're going with this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, so but you're so trading out. You're move. trading out Took, yeah, and you're <laughs> trading out Took to do it. <laughs> no, I'm trading out two mid prices, as you know, my team's full of them. Anyway, the point is though, I just. Let's move on from Bailey Smith. There's a lot of time on him. I just wanted to touch on that. It's it's some big numbers and Dossie did his research. All right. The last couple of hot <laughs> topics we'll talk about. Sticking fat. Now, three highly owned guys underperforming compared to expectations. Do you stick fat with these guys or shred, th- shred thin? I just want to stick fat or shred thin. Matt Rao, Holmesy. Uh, it's time to go, I think. As you know, I got rid of him a fair while ago now and he's just putting up these 60 scores that- are your typical mid-price scores. He's not getting you the points and he's not making you the cash. So, get him up to a keeper and, and then just be rid of it. This guy's interesting just because we have so many mid-price slash cheap ruck options. Talking Brody Grundy putting up a stinker on the weekend. Sticking fat or shredding things, Stato? Uh, I'm sticking fat. I, I will say I'm sticking fat currently. Uh, now, what I mean by that is my aim is to get these rookies off the field uh, if he continues to underperform and there's cash generation from someone like Pruce still available when he hasn't turned it around, 
then I'll pull the trigger so I can remove the, the rookie off. Because uh, if he keeps on bleeding cash and Proust keeps on making cash, then I'll pull that trigger. Um, but I expect him to bounce back. I expect him to react. But what I'm trying to work out, whether um, it's not only form but potentially their game plan that is ensuring that he hasn't got enough opportunity to make points. Um, but at the moment, I'm sticking fat. And lastly, just Matt Crouch. He's the other one that's kind of in that underperforming bracket that's highly owned. So he's 18% owned. The other two were f- over 40%. Sticking fat or shredding thin, Holmesy? Oh, you would need to see the, the people's teams before you can give a definitive answer. I think if you have nothing else to do and you can't quite get to um, the premium that you want with a typical one-up, one-down this week, then I'm more than happy to get Crouch up to a, to a bigger dog. But I think your team would need to be in a pretty luxurious position to consider that. I think he's still getting the CBAs. Yeah, the scores just haven't quite been there at the moment. But you would think with Sloan going down with the ACL as well, it's just going to mean more time around the ball. So... He definitely has the potential to turn it around as his fitness grows, but I wouldn't be against you trading trading him off him either. And I'm keeping a close eye on him because he's a potential uh, player that I want to bring in from a rookie. Okay. Guy you're looking at still being an underpriced potential guy that you can bring into your side. And last, guys of these hot topics, where to now? It's it's in that awkward sort of the season. I remember, Kyle, I think you might have tweeted out or you just mentioned it to us that last week was a crucial week in trades, just a bit of a turning point. Where to now and, and you know, where do our seasons go here? Like, what's the strategy from here? You've talked about that it's upgrade season. Stato's talked a bit about just it's all about rookies off the ground now. Just where to now, Kyle? Yeah, it's an interesting one. So I think if you were smart last week and you banked yourself a little bit of coin, then you would have the potential to go one up, one down this week and potentially get a rookie up to a to a premium. I know I was kind of looking at it in terms of someone like a Callum Mills type that's you know down at that 850k range that I think could be a potential keeper um, who's underpriced. But if you didn't bank any cash, then the cows just aren't quite there. So. It's a bit of a difficult one. Um, personally, if you can get up to a keeper, that's what I'd be doing. Obviously, needing to find out who that keeper is, but I wouldn't be wasting your money on an upgrade just yet, just to get a rookie off if they're not going to be someone that you've, you're going to keep for the rest of the year. So I'll just give an example because I know the name Jade Gresham has been floating around a little bit this week and he was a fantastic starting pick in hindsight. I think he was started the season price at 61 <coughs> and... I think he's priced at about 80 now. So that was a fantastic starting pick. But you need to ask yourself, bringing him in, if you're going to use all that money to upgrade to him, is he going to be a top six or close enough to a top six for the rest of the season? That would need him to average about 95, maybe even a little bit more, considering the strength of the forward line that we have. And he's someone that's had a bit of a soft run in terms of matchup. So if, if he falls back to the pack a little bit and, and only ends up averaging that sort of 85 to 90 from here... You've, you've pretty much wasted all of that money getting up to someone that might only have five to ten points upside and is, isn't going to push those top six. So just be smart about who you're trying to get up to um, and not just wasting money for the sake of wasting money. Stato, you got any different thoughts as to where to now? Oh, not, not hugely. Um, obviously, I have my buy planning in case. Um, 
I think they're, and, and Holmes is exactly right, um, but I think what we're seeing already, unless we get a few surprises, um, and unfortunately I've missed one, but there's not a lot of um, cash-making rookies available for us at the moment. Let's hope that changes and maybe COVID actually creates those opportunities. So uh, for me, um, there's one or two rookies that I just don't want anywhere near on my field. So I'll bite the bullet and take a Gresham type here and there to fill gaps for the time being, waiting for the right one. Um, And yes, at times that can be a wasted trade, um, but it also, there's that balance of getting the points as well as getting a, a, the right completed team. So I think there's a bit of balance both ways. But, but Holmes is right. The ideal model is you're always getting in a top eight or a top sixer or a top tour. Yeah, and speaking of those rookies, I don't reckon it's brought up. I just had a quick look at the questions. I don't think there's much about this guy, but um, Sam Hayes from Port Adelaide for me is just like the must-have rookie this week, um, just coming up. I know he he didn't score fantastically in his first game, so his break-even is not as impressive as some out there. But given his price and his job security with Scott Lysett out of the side for so long, he's now up against... Um, the West Coast ruck situation this week, and he should have an absolute field day. And regardless of if he doesn't, he's still just going to churn over that price generation for you for the weeks that he's in there playing as a pure ruck. So I don't think that's kind of one of our hotter topics, but as far as rookies coming in, he, he's got to be your number one this week. Guys, we're, we're introducing a new segment now that we haven't had before, and it's looking ahead it's, it's looking at these next wave of rookies. You're talking about guys that we don't have, Stato. So, we're just going to have a little segment. We'll see if we like it or not and see if we can bring back the Oracle because it is Kays from the Keeper League pod and he's given us the next wave of rookies that we could be considering that are performing well in the state leagues. It's Rookie Roulette. Welcome to the brand new segment on the Podly Pod Pod Pod. This is Rookie Roulette and I'm Case from the Keeper League podcast. Now, I may not be a fantasy classic superstar, but they don't call me the Oracle for no reason. I know my way around the rookies. I'm going to have a look at some rookies each week. Actually, going to have a few spins of the roulette wheel, as you will. This week, I've got five spins, five players you should be looking at ahead of next round. First spin, it's got to be Greg Clark. He had 90 points in the waffle in his return game from injury, 18 touches and 9 tackles. The Eagles suck. Surely they give him a go. 190k midfielder. Next up, Kane Baldwin. 79 points. He kicked 5 goals for the Bombers VFL side. Boy, do the Bombers stink up forward in the AFL. They need him. He's 194k forward. Get him in. Next up, it's a guy who's been on everyone's lips for a long, long time. It's Elijah Hollins. 83 points. Two goals and 23 touches from him. The Suns are also stinking it up. 190k midfield forward. Oh, he's got to be close to playing this week. Then, spin number four, Charlie Coleman. 86 points. Four goals, 14 touches and seven marks from the Ruse big man. Can he get a call up this week? Surely he's a chance. Fifth spin, my dark horse for the week. It's the Geelong Cats, young midfielder Cooper Stevens. He had 96 points, 19 touches, 7 tackles. It's now his third successive score in the 90s. 190k priced midfielder. Could the Cats give him a berth next week? We'll have to wait and see to find out. Join me next week for some more spins of Rookie Roulette. 
thanks to the Oracle for some more fantastic insights. Let us know if you want that on a regular basis. The Oracle's up and about. He's been trying to dip his toe in some classic waters for for many, many a year. And uh, I don't think he's doing as well as he was up and about after round one, but uh, he's still still battling around. He's still going all right. So, this is the moment we've all been waiting for, though, in the show. It is another new segment, Holmesy's Heroes. Holmesy, take it away, mate. Yeah, so it was actually a little bit more difficult than I thought it was going to be. I've never sat down to do a sort of best 22 before, so we'll, we'll have a look and, and there'll, I'm no doubt there'll be some interesting discussion points and I'm, I'm keen to hear your guys' thoughts, but we'll start in the defence. So I've gone with Doc at number one. I just think he's clearly the most reliable and consistent defender that we have at the moment and uh, with the brand of footy that Carlton are playing, there's plenty of ball for him back there. Uh, Crisp at number two, Jaden Short at three, Zorko at four. Um, like we touched on at the top of the show, he, he could be absolutely anything and, and going off the numbers that he's already put up this year, if, if fitness comes into it later on down the track and he's healthy, he's, he's no doubt going to be up there. Hall at five, despite the injury, we all know what he can do. And then coming in at six, I've got Sinclair. I think he started the season very, very well and no doubt he'll be around the mark, but I do worry about consistency of scoring now that his his role um, is no longer in the midfield. With apologies to Lloyd, Whitfield, Dawson, and even Hewitt, that's putting up some numbers at the moment. So, what do we what do we think there, boys? Yeah, just, just cut a- everyone um, that's in my squad there, Holmesy. So that's okay. That's it. It's all right. It's all right. So I think <laughs> so I've got zero. Just from a quick six. recap. It was Doc Crisp. Who was the third one? Short. Short, okay. Dot, Chris, Short, Zorko, Hall, and Sinclair. Yeah, yeah. Stato, take it away. Yeah, I've only got the one, so a uh, bit of work to do in my squad. Yeah, it's interesting the Sinclair called. Are you worried at all about his – like, he's been fantastic, and you talk about the soft draw that they've had, though, and the fact that in the last two weeks he moved back to that um, – not the inside midfield role that he had for that first month. Does that – that's the only one for me. Like the rest, I think, absolutely fine. Obviously, Hall is going to be out for a while, but when he comes back, he'll brain it and be be a top six. But yeah, probably Sinclair's the only one I'd, I'd question. Yeah, and he's he's sixth for a reason. He, he's right on the edge, but you can't really knock what he's done at the moment. I think he's averaging 102. He's the, the second highest averaging defender, and, and even going into the back line, he's still been putting up big numbers. I think his two highest scores for the year have been in the last two weeks where he's dropped back. So part of this rolling 22 is is predicting who you want for the rest of the season, but you do have to take into account what they've done so far this year. And I think just having him at six just kind of hedges a little bit. I think he's still, he's still priced at 95 as well. So you would think he, he probably goes close to that for the rest of the year. And, and who knows, he'll be around the mark. Let's get into your mids, mate. I'm interested to know these uh, these ones so I can put my targets, my plans together. Yeah, well, this this is this is the hard one. So, like we just mentioned, you're obviously trying to predict how they're going to go from here, and and there's been some midfielders that have put up some big numbers so far. So you're trying to take that into account as well, and and figuring out what is real. Um, I've got Jack Steele at number one. I still he he hasn't gone under a hundred for the whole season so far. We know what he does with his tackles. I just, I just think it's going to be pretty similar to last year when, when the weather gets colder and the footy gets more contested. I think he's just going to come into his own. So, Jack Steele at number one. 
Brayshaw at number two, I can't really knock what he's doing at the moment. He's been fighting through the tags. He just looks unbelievable. So I, I can't put him any lower than that at the moment. McRae at three, just for for what he's done, I suppose, over the last four years, he's just so consistent and he's, you know, he's just as hungry as anything. I, I think he probably deserves to be up around here. And, and keep in mind, you can probably throw a blanket over a lot of these guys. For Ben Keys, um, Adelaide are playing a brand of footy that is very conducive to fantasy scoring at the moment. And like I mentioned before, with Sloan going down, he's just going to be in there with Laird, 80, 85% CBAs and just racking it. So never a danger of a tag. He's just going to keep braining it. And that 85%, the magical 85% time on ground, Holmesy, as you learned before. Yeah, well, there you go. Lock him in. Uh, took Miller at five. I know you're not happy with it at the moment, Doss, but I think you've got to uh, you've got to take into account what he did last year. And although he was tagged a few times early this season, I think he'll work through it. And I, I would think at some point Gold Coast revert back to playing a bit more chip chip. That might suit him a little bit more. Bailey Smith at six. Um, I'd love to have him higher. I just want to see it a little bit more first. We've seen plenty of players come out of the blocks. Uh, look, I think it was a Lockie Neal in 2020 came out and was averaging 135 for for the first sort of six to eight rounds and then drops back to the pack a little bit and ends up averaging sort of that 105 for the rest of the year. So definitely in the rolling 22 at the moment. I just I just need to see it continue and, and if it does fair play to anyone that's traded him in. Uh, Sam Walsh at number seven, uh, the fact that he's coming back from that serious ankle injury and, and still doing what he's doing, I no doubt he'll heat up. And I think with Patrick Cripps playing the way that he's been playing as well, it just adds another layer to, to Walsh and he might even escape the tag, which just means he'll be able to just rack up the footy at will. And then rounding out with Lockie Neal at number eight. I, I'm not sure about this one, but you kind of just have to have him there at the moment with the start of the season that he's had. And the fact that he's just playing ridiculous time on ground as well and attending all CBAs is is very good. With apologies there to Oliver Merritt, who's obviously injured, but he'll be around the mark when he comes back. Cripps with the numbers that he's been putting up, who knows whether that'll continue, but to start the season, he's around the mark. And then obviously a Callum Mills, which I spoke about earlier. Some big names uh, missing out and also some big names included. What about my boy Petrarca? Is he not, not a sniff to... He, he's definitely around the mark, but as we've seen, he's he's been getting tagged a little bit more, and I think there might actually be a little bit more to that knee injury that they're not really speaking about. So he had a pretty soft matchup against the Giants on the weekend. He's a gun. He's a gun, and I'm, I'll be happy to put him in at some point. But um, just yeah, for now. but he didn't even get the apology. I just that's that's a bit rough on on the track. Sorry. Man. <laughs> uh, any any notable names there for you, Stato, that you notice? Like Keys is, is a big one coming in at four. Oh, he's a ripper. He's an absolute ripper and almost the perfect fantasy player. He's just the one that's never going to get the attention. And Absolutely exactly, butchers the ball. <laughs> yeah, he's the rocky type, exactly what he is. Well, the, the one I'm really interested in that wasn't mentioned is Tom Mitchell. So... Um, it's a close watch on him to, to see what eventuates here because these rookies will get tired and I think there'll be a point where they revert to when the, the footy's a little bit slower that they'll start reverting to the big dogs and I've just got a close eye on what Tom Mitchell is. So he's down already 124k and I think that's going to continue to drop while he's playing different roles but I think they would have seen what happened in the second half. And 
his his second half created a win, and as a coach, you want to you want that W. It's a team going well. They're blooding players, but they've got some stars, and I think they'll revert to the stars at some stage. And if anyone missed it, he copped a pretty heavy tag from the mock lock, Mark O'Connor, on the weekend, and then kind of released himself in the second half for 70 points, um, 70 fantasy points, and, yeah, it was unbelievable. I think there was a stat out there that I think it was, yeah, I think yeah, it was he, Ethan on Twitter. The ground ball stat. He had the more ground, ground ball. balls in the second half than any player did for the entire round, so it was a serious second yeah. half. Unreal. All, All right. right. Well, let's get into the last little bit here, the rucks and forwards. Yep, so Ruck's pretty similar to has how they always have been. Oh, here we go. <laughs> the moment of uh, truth, the Rucks. <laughs> Gorn at one. You can't really knock that after his last two weeks. And, and like we've said, even the first few rounds when he wasn't putting up those scores, he was just slightly out of form. He was still doing everything that you needed him to do. He was just a bit unlucky. I've still gone Grundy at two. Um, I'm not convinced that the 50 that we saw on the weekend is a more accurate reflection of where he's at. I know that he struggles against Big O and, and Brisbane are just a tough side to score against regardless. So I think he'll bounce back. I, I don't think he's going to be that 110, 115 Ruckman that we all sort of pegged him to be at the start of the season, but I still think he's going to be, be an R2. Um, Sean Darcy was a, an interesting one. Obviously, he had the ton on the weekend, and as he builds fitness, you'd think he'd be around the mark, and he's going to come in cheap. So all of the coaches out there that are obviously rolling with your Proust at R2 or, or any other R2, for example, that you need to get up to at some point, um, Darcy could come into it. Lastly, we'll go into the forwards. So I've got Josh Dunkley at number one. I don't think anyone can argue that with the numbers that he's been putting up and the, the brand of footy that the Bulldogs are playing currently. Tim Taranto at number two, which has been a, a bit of a shock to most of us, but he's just proving that he doesn't need those CBAs to, to score well. He's just a, an absolute machine at the moment, but just keep in mind that Toby Green comes back into that side this week, so we're not exactly sure about how that team's going to line up, so so give it a few weeks if you're looking at trading him in. Tim English at three, so he's been the surprise packet of the, the season so far, and and this one comes with a little bit of an asterisk because I think if Steph Martin comes back, I think it might struggle a little bit. But at the same time, the way he's playing at the moment and in that contract year that we talk about, I think he's just uh, he's just killing it at the moment. So he, he definitely deserves to be at number three. Jordan Dugowie at number four. This one's a little bit interesting because Collingwood just aren't really playing that brand of footy at the moment that is conducive to scoring and, and their midfielders kind of just share it around a little bit and they're not really going big. So he did need four goals on the weekend to just scrape to a ton. So it's touch and go. He's got that midfield role at the moment. So I think you do have to back that role in and, and over the course of the season, I think he'll be there, thereabouts. Mitch Duncan at five. Um Big slide. We all sort of had him at that F1, F2 at the start of the season and he just hasn't quite hit his straps at the moment with the the new game plan that Geelong seemed to be implementing. But um, I have no doubt at some point he'll go on a bit of a run and, and put the scoring up. So he'll be an option at some point. And then to round out, I have Zach Butters at number six. I think he needs that 50% CBAs to be, to be the F6 that we need. Um, but with the way he's playing, I, I think Port Adelaide would be pretty silly to, to have him out of there and and that leaves Trelaw, Heaney and Cogs on the on the outer. Heaney has been absolutely unbelievable for owners to start the season. I think he's going at 107, but with the CBAs down, you'd think at some stage he's due for a few quiet games. I, I don't think he can maintain this 
<coughs> this level of scoring and and that might drop him back to the pack a bit, but um, he's done absolutely nothing wrong so far. Wow, well, a huge, a huge start for the first ever Holmesies heroes. Um, any any names in that forward line that you're interested about, Stato? That that stand out to you? No, I think he's nailed them. To be quite honest, with you they're, they're the six that I'd be targeting all the way home. Um, uh, to be fair, I, I thought Cogs. Um, would make it, but um, and that's at the beginning of the season. But obviously, he's shown to us with his role that he's not going to be. But um, I, I think there are a few there that can be interchangeable just on form and role. Um, so if Taranto stays as a as a deep forward, which I don't expect to happen, I think he would drop out of that. But he's just proven how good he is uh, over the first five rounds. He's just been absolutely incredible. But no, I, I actually agree with the with the squad. I only wish I had a few more than eight in total already. But um, yeah, there's a bit of work to be done. Did any of the new DPPs come in? You know, come into calculations, Kyle, at all? Like the you well, know, Zorko, the, Zorko made. Yeah, in. sorry, Zorko's in the forward in line. Oh. In the forward line, though, did you think um, was there a chance? Like was. Even looking at anyone like a Parker, I mean, Lib is probably just a bit lower than those other guys in terms of averaging like yeah. ninety five. So yeah, I think Luke Parker's I think is is a bit past his prime now, and and obviously Mills is the number one midfielder in there, and they like to rotate guys through. So he's going to have his games where he goes one twenty like he did on the weekend, and then he's going to have a lot of seventies and eighties where he sits forward a little bit more. So I think the the days of Luke Parker. Averaging that sort of ninety-eight to hundred are are gone, and and that's where I see you know your Dugowie, Duncan, and Butter sitting. So he he's an apology. He'd be just outside, I think. Mate, that's some awesome work. Holmes's heroes, his best twenty-two. And in looking at some of these players, we we want to pick the players where Stato, the price is right. Yeah, absolutely. So we're just going to pick two players from the defensive line, the midfield and the forward line, and we'll give you regular updates on these. But in the defensive line, there's two uh, targets at the moment. So these are the ones uh, that have dropped down a bit in price and are either a Holmesy hero or they're just a slight apology um, for not making that squad. But Jack Crisp to start off with is 810k, so that's 44k down. We all know he had a bit of a slow start, but I, I think um, we can actually have a quick look at him. He's 103 over his last three rounds, so he's really bounced back well. Uh, he actually went up 19k this round, so he's only down 44k. So now is the right time to jump on him. And uh, the other one was uh, an apology. Um, from Holmes, he, he's down 43k at only 752, but his scoring power's there. He could force his way to become a hero later on. That's Lockie Whitfield. Um, just his price at the moment is quite attractive. I actually thought it was attractive at the beginning of the year, but we've been proven <laughs> a little bit wrong. But uh, nice ton on the weekend. He's had a few little injury concerns, but it seems to have worked through that and playing good footy now. Uh, moving to the midfield, uh, one that um, Dossie's been complaining about for about four weeks is Tuke Miller. Um, but as we heard, he's in that uh, that best 22 squad. He's down 128k at only 896,000. Does that sound good to you, Dossie? 
down 128k. Um, Thanks, mate. The, the key thing here, I, I think his break-even is 152 this week. So although he's a target, you can probably give him one or two more weeks and he will drop down and be an absolute bargain for everyone else but Doss uh, at about 850k. Now, that's great price. And the other thing that really attracts me to, to Took is he's a round 13 midfielder and there's not many superstars with round 13. But I will call out another one being Callum Mills, who's 72k down and at that beautiful, attractive price of 850000 another round 13 mid. And I think he's just starting to hit form. So I think his uh, best scores are moving forward. In the forward line, we just mentioned him, Luke Parker. He's 86K down. I will say his scoring is erratic, but it's depending on the role he's having uh, each and every weekend. But at 747, he is not a bad price. Uh, And then probably the best buy this round. And it's all about Holmes. He lost 22K on him on the weekend. And that's Mitch Duncan at only 765K. So he's down $76,000. So that's a great bargain for someone we expect to be uh, a top six forward. Awesome work, mate. I just had a couple to add on for the saucier coaches in the prices, right? Dossie's little picks. I had Zorko down $123,000 playing that low time on ground and limping around the ground, but still performing solidly with already a bunch of tons to his name. Huge ceiling, and he's got that top six defender um, potential, and he's even in the Holmes' heroes at the moment. So I think he's actually, you know, when better to pounce than against the Gold Coast Suns this weekend. Um Another guy in the midfield, like I said, the saucier coaches for this one, for sure. Humor Cluggage down nearly 100K, 71,000. Big center bounce attendance spike last week, up to 75%. Um, so far this season, he's only had 45, uh, 42, 25, 31, 38, 42. So, you know, up 30% on where he's been this year. And if that's going to continue going forward, he popped a 110 last year in a similar moment when Lockie Neal went down and he actually got a lot more midfield time. He went on a run of 110 to 115 for for a big stretch of the season. So just one to monitor um, potentially, especially given his price. He's under, you know, he's around that seven high 700s as well. And just my forward, Jordan Dugowie, Um, he made it into that Holmes' heroes as well. You know, he he actually had a big run to finish the year last year. Didn't score under 90 after the buy, including five huge tons. So he's at 744K. I think the price is right for him as well. All right, let's smash through a few of these questions that have come through from the Pod Pod members. Now, this podcast has gone out to the masses as well this week as a little freebie. But if you do want to become a member, um, silver or gold members of the Keeper League, get access to our weekly show, the Pod Pod. So um, it's been fantastic little following that we've got on the on the Pod Pod crew. And so join on if you want to join in. But these are all from the Pod Pod members this year. So we've got one from Taser. Um, Rookies haven't gone up as much as we'd hoped for, can only raise 150 to 200K. Do you upgrade a Horn Francis to a Gresham or Tim Kelly, or do you take Crouch to a top midfielder, Kyle? Yeah, I think in that situation, you're taking Crouch up to a top midfielder and, and giving your Horn Francis or whatever rookie it is a little bit more time to to grow a little bit more cash. I, I think it's a bit of a waste of, of coin going up to a, 
a Tim Kelly type who has shown to be injured anyway, but isn't really going to push those top guys that we we speak about. From Toddy, is it too early to move on from Horn Francis? He's thinking Ralph Smith down to a Hobbs and Horn Francis up to a Mills or Walsh type, Sato. It's perfect. It's a type of move you want to make. So you just talked about one who made it into Holmesy's hero and one that got an apology for not making Holmesy hero is exactly what you should be doing. All right, this one from Hazy. Best rookie downgrade target. Okay, so we did get a question about this, Holmesy. So Hobbs on field or a Sam Hayes um, coming in. So it doesn't look like he's going to be on field, but he's a loop option for him. So Sam Hayes or Hobbs. Yeah, this is an interesting one and one I'm actually having to work through myself this week. So I know you mentioned Sam Hayes almost being the must-have rookie of the week, but I think he's just going to be that typical slow burn. So getting him on the bench, even even if you miss him this week, I don't think he's going to go up that much to really burn you. I know he's um he's got the the B-grade Eagles rucks this week at home, but he he doesn't look like he's going to have that much scoring potential around around the ground. So I think you get him with hopes that he's just a slow burn and you might get a score score on the field during the buys and then you, you cash him out after. So I'm actually quite interested in a Ben Hobbs. I do worry about his job security, though, with a few of the Essendon midfielders coming back. But with the way he played on the weekend, it, it kind of looks like there might be a few other players in the gun before him in terms of getting dropped. So 290K is a fair amount to spend on a rookie. However, if you are having to play him on field, it could be a, a worthy investment because as we do start to go down and up to get those premiums, you do need to have rookies that you can play on the field. Otherwise, you do risk getting one of these rookies scoring you a, a 20 or 30 like Stato mentioned. All right, this next question comes from Kane. So Stato, should I be targeting the top and mids, Keys, who is a top eight mid, according to him, which also Holmes agrees with, or a Walsh Mills type who's 100K cheaper and may or may not be a top eight mid. So we've heard um, those kind of guys teetering on the edge of Holmes's heroes. I think Walsh made it in, if I'm correct there. Yeah, Walsh is at seven, yeah. He did at the moment for Holmesy, but what do you think, Stato? Should be targeting a keys like it's? I guess just do you want to pay up for that guy? That's an absolute guarantee in his mind or in your mind to be one of those guaranteed top eight mids and maybe even a one fifteen to a one twenty potentially, um, or do you go for a bit more value but a guy that should make it there as well? I think it's a time of the year you look at value, um, but geez, if you had Ben Keys in your team, would you be complaining? So, look, uh, 100K, so if you made the difference that I trade in Ben Hobbs versus uh, trade in um, Sam Hayes and the difference would be that I would get Mills uh, or I'll get um, Ben Keys, I, I think you've got to really ask that series of question of what's the right one. But, look, I, I will say that my theory is always I'm looking at the discounted premiums right now this time of year and I'm paying top dollar as soon as we roll out of the buys because I've already got a completed team. So what I'm doing is taking a um, what's ended up being a top 15 mid up to a top two mid. All right, question from Robbo for you, Holmesy. Do I move Rao to someone like a crisp Jelly Simpkin or Cripps if he's back, or move early on someone like a Brody 
to a Miller Neil Walsh Mills. Keep up the good work, lads. Thanks, Robbo. Um, I, th- I think you go Rao first. I understand the theory that um, by trading out Brody on top uh, instead of Rao, you get up to someone that's more guaranteed to be topping their lines compared with maybe a bit more risky pick. But you know, Brody scored a 123 not two weeks ago, so he's still got coin to make and, and Rao's putting up 60s and, and not giving you points or um, making you cash. So I think he, did, he mentioned a crisp in that. Scenario, I think Crisp is probably the perfect one there. He's, he's going to be a top six defender and, and you're not going to have to trade him for the rest of the year and, and he looks like he's just heating up as well. So all those other ones come with their risk, but they are the players that we're trying to find because if Stato's right, if you can hop on, say, a Jelly, which I'm not advocating for, but hypothetically jump on him now priced in the, the mid-90s and he ends up going 105, 110 for the rest of the year, then you've saved yourself 150K and you've got someone scoring in the same uh, same power as those top guys. This one from Kareen Stato. Thoughts on Jai Newcomb as a pod. Obviously, a huge game on the weekend against Geelong. Looked like he came into his own there. He's priced at 589k. Could be a bumpy ride, though. Uh, yes, 100% correct. He is a pod. <laughs> Obviously not too keen uh, on that one there, Stato, by the sounds. Spot on. All right, this one from Mark. So Mark does these fantastic long long questions. We had a fair few of them last year. They're very funny. They're very humorous and we love them, Mark. I won't be able to read it out because it's quite long, but he basically wants to know, should he be concerned about Rioli's score, which cons- coincided with um, Vloster's return to the team, Holmesy? Do you reckon... Um, it's time to jump ship on Rioli. I'm an owner and I'm thinking yeah. it might be time. I was going to say, mate, I'm just going to handball this to you because <laughs> never in my wildest dream did I ever consider having Dan Rioli in my team. So why don't you talk us through this one and what you're thinking? Yeah, I think it's funny because you probably could go another week with Melbourne um, coming up as the matchup. So it's probably going to be back in that back line quite a bit. But at the same time... Um, I'm also happy to get off him if it gets you up to that Uber premium. So it's pretty much what these guys have been saying. If you can get him up to someone that you really think is going to be a keeper, um, I'm all for it. And that's kind of what I'm looking at doing this week. So, yeah, he's been a fantastic pick for us in the end, even though it was a bit risky. But for us, yeah, it's, us. You can jump it, off. For you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me. <laughs> Uh, okay, this one from Young Sammy. I think we've talked enough about Bailey Smith. You can probably jump on if you think he's going to be that. As Holmes, he said, if you think he can be that 120 plus, he's priced at, what, 113 at the moment. So if you think there's still value there, you can jump on. And, and I guess it's the same as what you're talking about, Keys, you know, having him in your side, is that going to be a fun experience? And if you think he's going to keep banging out these big scores, go ahead. That's where we've kind of landed. But what about Tim English, Stato? Is he also too expensive to jump on now? And what do you see both of those guys' output from here? So Smith and English's output, and is English too expensive? Yeah, look, Smith's a real hard judge for me, to be honest, because uh, I just can't see him continuing the 130. So I, I don't know where he lands to, so it's really tough for me. But as Holmes, he said, he's, he's priced at 113. If you think uh, that's underpriced, then he's not too expensive. Uh, Tim English, I think, is a 100 guy. Um, I know he had, and he's going to have the rare occasions of um, um, taking one out of the box, Um He's priced at 100 and he's going at 110 and it's basically because he's had one really big score um, uh, so far this season. I'll just have a quick look to see what that was. 
but I'm pretty sure there was just one absolute out of the box, 138. The rest of them have been um, basically low hundreds. So I think it's 100 guys, so I reckon you're paying for what you're getting, and I think you should be looking for value. I went him last week uh, and got him at the what he was priced at, which was 97, and I thought there was about five points of value in him, so it was a it was a chance. I had to go now or it was too late. I probably think it's too late. What do you think, Holmesy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're, you're dead right on the, I think he's a low 100 guy as well. Um, he's had that one score out of the box and if I do remember correctly, it was when Hickey went down mid-game as well. So I think there was a few Twitter warriors out there saying that he got lucky, but you can only score against who you're up against. Um, yeah, you're right. If you're looking for value, you probably need to look elsewhere, but you can't really knock what he's been doing at the moment. That role is unbelievable, and, and he looks very good. He looks very good. So you're probably getting what you pay for, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I don't think you're overpaying, so I don't think you could go wrong at this point. Where I, I think a, a Butters and a Dugowie are still value. So you're talking at the, the 730 and 740 mark. So you're talking 100 grand less and you're getting two guys that were just named as Holmesy heroes. All right, let's smash through a few more here. This one from Andrew. Holmesy, would you tick off Grundy and Owens to Oliver and Hobbs? Because uh, Andrew here can't get to an Uber premium he wants with the Brent, with the rookie bench that he's got at the moment. Uh, yeah, I, I still can't get around this Grundy trade out. I mean, if he's got Prusa R3 and he needs to bring him on, then, then potentially... But I just think, like Stato said, this time of the year, you're trying to get rookies off the field. And by trading out Grundy, you're just sideways trading your premium to another premium and you're not exactly improving your side when, who knows, Grundy might come up against Draper this week and score a 120. It's it's very likely. In, in fact, I would bank on it. So you're trying to improve your side. All right. I think we've got a couple of stamps here. Stato, thoughts on Rao to Crisp and Connor McDonald to Sam Hayes? Uh, stamp. All right, and I'm trying to find the other stamp. There was one further down where somebody actually requested Stato's stamp of approval. Oh, but, no, there um, was a looking for a stamp from Paul here. Um, so, uh, Bowie to Oliver and Ainsworth <laughs> to Roses, bench player only. Uh, stamp. Perfect. Uh, keeping with you, Stato, we'll go one more because there's one more here from Diggsy's Dinner. Can you get Stato to explain his buy structure 8, 10, 12 theory. So we had something come through on Twitter as well about this yeah. this week. So obviously people thinking about their buys. Um, do you want to explain that? And he's wondering, is that the amount to have on a buy that week or the amount playing? So you're, you talk us through your 8, 10, 12 theory. Yeah, no worries. I, I certainly will. And there was a add a bit to that question is going, does that mean that you need to have – uh, eight premiums in round 12, 10 premiums in round 13 and 12 premiums in round 14. Uh, well, it's not. We want to get uh, a completed team. So you want as much premiums as you can possibly get across. And the idea would be, uh, especially in your forward and defence, that you have three, uh, sorry, two premiums per line uh, and per buy. So basically... You only want eight players missing for the round uh, for the first round, which is round twelve. That means you have twenty-two play for the for the following round. Because remember, you have three trades. Uh, you trade 
uh, three, one from round 14 and two from round 13. Uh, and that's why you start with 10 for round 13 that aren't playing or 10 round 13 players. You trade two of them out and therefore you have 22 players playing. And then because you've traded one round 14 uh, leading into round 13, you only have 11. So you can use all three trades uh, for that round, round 14, uh, to remove your round 14 players that you don't want to keep. So these will be your rookies. So if you have people like Hyphen um, that continue to that, if you had Bowie that continued to the buy, they're the ones you trade out. Uh, and you would actually have 24 players playing. Um, now, the 24 players playing uh, for round 14 would therefore be able to give you a bit of coverage in case you've got a couple of non-players or a couple of injured players. This is why rule effing one is in place. You want 30 green dots leading into the buys, and therefore you've had uh, through the rounds 22 playing, 22 playing, 22 playing each and every round and you'll find that your rank will increase dramatically as mine does every single season because I plan well for the buys. All right, at Statesman33 if you want more on that info because he is the wizard of the buy structure. So get around him, just tag him in that and pester him for any more questions about that. Uh, Obviously, the buys will come into play very much over the next few weeks. So we'll be continually touching on that as things progress. Two more. This one from Nick Holmesy. Hey, boys, I can do both Lipinski and Foley out in the same round. Or would you be looking to upgrade rookies first? So there's a couple of mid-prices that might have failed him there. Even with Lipinski getting forward status, I don't know if trading him out. But Holmesy, what do you think? It means getting Baz and Hobbs on field for him. Yeah, I think you'd be looking to go one up, one down in terms of going one of your mid-prices down, similar to what you're doing, Doss, down to a rookie that gets the other mid-pricer up. I wouldn't be looking at going Lipinski and Foley to another two mid-prices because that's not going to improve your team at all, although it might seem like an upgrade at the time. Oh, he's going Baz to Holmes, though, a Baz and Hobbs. So that's pretty much what... That's pretty similar, right? It's it's a rookie yeah, and a yep, premium. That's, yeah, yeah, th- yeah that's, the, that's the right theory there, yeah. All right, cool. And this last one, Stato, comes from you, uh, comes for you from someone who's put themselves in as buy, buy, buy. They're talking about more buy stuff here. So, wanting around 13 buy premium and tossing up between the form of Heaney and the value of a Duncan and a Zorko. Who's the better pick, Stato? Uh, well, he's mentioning and we've been talking value. So, the value is the one. So, if we look at... Uh, what we're talking about, Holmesy's heroes. Heaney didn't make the cut. Both Duncan and Zorko did. So I'll be um, targeting Duncan or Zorko. And depending on your buy structure currently, whether you need a defender or forward, round 13, in my eyes, you're searching for a round 13 defender ahead of anything else. Now, you might have Lloyd, you might have Stewart, but both of them are reasonably lowly owned. Um, because of injuries and, and missing games. So I dare say Zorko should be the better hit. Um, I think Zorko's to, round 14, though. I think he's missed up there. I'm pretty sure uh, Brisbane have the round right. 14 by. There you go. Uh, so the, the round 13 forwards seem really strong. So you've got English, you've got Dunkley, um, and they're the two that I've actually got 
um, for round 13 buys. So, yeah, probably Duncan, therefore, because you're right, um, Brisbane have the round 14 buy. All right, lads, that's it. Big potty, few new segments. Let us know what you thought. And this is going out to the masses again. So, um, yeah, a little cheeky podcast out on the Spotify's, the Apples, etc. Um, so, if you do want to become a member in here this weekly, just jump on, become a silver or a gold member of the Keeper League to hear weekly podcasts from the lads. Thanks again. Holmesy, Stato, see you next week. See you, lads. More smart, more sick, more Stevenson. Stevenson.